to EST. If you love the established church, this is the place to have conversations about why the established church matters, how to better serve her, and to hear stories every week about how God is using the church for His glory and our good. The show is hosted each week by Sam Rayner, Josh King, and Micah Fries. We're glad you're here. Hey, what's up? And welcome to another episode of EST, the podcast for established church leaders by established church leaders. My name is Josh King, and that is Micah. Micah, how's your day? It's good, man. I am. Yep. Uh, I'm just a little isolated and lonely right now. But You're that's quarantined. It. I'm quarantined. Yeah. So I uh, I got a COVID diagnosis earlier this week, and uh, I mostly feel good now. I was in Florida when I got sick. Was sick for about five days, but now I feel good. But our local, so the CDC says that I'm supposed to quarantine for 10 days after my first symptoms, Hmm. but our local health department says I have to quarantine for 14 days after I'm diagnosed. Oh, wow. So so there's an inconsistency. Yeah. Yeah, It's like a, it's literally a 12 extra days of quarantine uh, compared to what the CDC says. That's crazy. I mean, I'm I'm sitting here right now for the first time finding out that there's an inconsistency with the way that COVID's being handled. That's, that that is shocking to me. Yeah, I know. Who knew? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well. Yeah, but I mean, you know, I'm I'm good. I feel pretty good for the most part. That's good. We keep on keeping on. That's the truth. So, um, Sam couldn't jump on the show today. Apparently, there's a runaway kangaroo in Florida. That's right. That they're chasing yeah, down to so. Fort Lauderdale. <laughs> and so, Sam has messed up um, his internet. So, it's going to be you and I, which means that you have the honor of telling our our listeners about our fantastic sponsor. Yeah, absolutely. We've mentioned our sponsor, Church Initiative, before. They're the creators of Grief Share and Divorce Care. Today, we want to talk, uh, take just a minute to talk about how much you know, Church Initiative is willing to do to help your church start a Grief Share or Divorce Care program. They've made it so simple, easy. Uh, if you want to, if your church wants to be able to offer a grief or divorce care ministry, this is what you need. All you literally need is one volunteer. Mm-hmm. Just connect one lay leader to the Church Initiative team. They take it from there. You're freed up for other ministry while the divorce care and grief share ministry coaches help your volunteer get the ministry up and running. They provide support after it's launched. The coaches offer a ministry launch plan that's customized for your church and they provide step-by-step support. They help your lay leader build their ministry team. Coaches are always available, which is really cool. Coaching is always free. That's how they're different. Most of the time you buy a course, you're on your own, but not with church initiative. They offer unparalleled ministry support. And pastors love the church initiative makes it possible to expand their care with these ministries without adding more commitments to their calendars, which sounds incredible. They've made it easy to understand how to get a program started. Just download the the divorce care or grief share quick start guide gives you a great overview of the programs, how to get a coach to help you get uh, launch one of these programs and more. You just download the guide at divorcecare.org forward slash start forward slash EST or griefshare.org forward slash start forward slash EST. That's divorcecare.org forward slash start forward slash EST or griefshare.org forward slash start forward slash EST. Take a quick peek. Find out how Church Initiative can help you get started. Yeah, fantastic. And one of the resources, one of the reasons that resource is so helpful is kind of what we're talking about today is facing all church leaders, regardless of the size of your church, is this question of relaunching back into the fall. Normally, we all slow down in the summer. Uh, usually, that's how it goes. And then we will launch back starting back in the fall. And so I have heard of churches that are launching Grief Share uh, as a fall initiative, which is a great way to do it, especially with the online availabilities. So let's talk about that today. We are at 
larger churches in different regions and different uh, states. I know Sam has an approach of a clean slate. They're starting completely over from scratch. They literally, yeah, wipe the slate clean and said, who do we want to be? And they're kind of reinventing the church in some ways. Which is cool. And then yeah. there's also, you know, making the headlines, you know, the week that we are recording this is that North Point Church, north of Atlanta, Andy Stanley, they have announced that they're not going to have in-person services at least through January of 2021. Um, I think that's correct, right? Was that what yeah, they that's correct. Yeah, yeah, through the end of the year. So... The question is facing a lot of us is what are we going to do? What are we going to launch back? Are we going to launch anything back? Are we not? And I thought it'd be good for us to just kind of discuss some of the things that are causing us to think through this and what we're actually going to try to do. So uh, obviously the factors are one of the big factors is just school. When does school start? School's a major one. Yeah. And I don't know for you guys, Josh, but for us, so we're on the state line. We're, you know, we're right on the line of Georgia and Tennessee. So we have two completely different states we're dealing with, two different school uh, board of educations. And we're 20 minutes from Alabama, which is, you know, and we've got church members who live in Alabama. And so you've got a third one there. We have our typical youth group uh, on a Wednesday night, we have 36 different schools represented. And so trying to juggle what we do. And so, and then on top of that, you've got the private schools. Chattanooga has a very heavy private school culture. We have a private school at our church, Brainerd Baptist School, that goes up through fifth grade. And they're all doing different things. So right now, our private school, uh, Brainerd Baptist, our school, and most of the private schools in the city um, have indicated that they're going back five days a week on campus. Uh, Mm. Hamilton County, which is Chattanooga, has said they're going to go back based on the community spread. So right now they're saying that they're probably going with what what they call phase two, which means two days a week on campus and three days a week virtual. And Catoosa County, where I live in Georgia, uh, where my kids go to school, has not officially announced, though they're supposed to today, tomorrow, or Friday, one of the arts, I'm sorry, today's Thursday, today or tomorrow. And um, my understanding from them is that they're also looking at two days a week on campus, two days a week virtual, and then a three-day weekend every week. Hmm. And so, and, and the argument there is that we, they've got to be able to reduce the number of people in a classroom at a time. And so, they're coming back with, you know, less kids on campus. Well, that really shapes how you think about church. And so, our, we're, one of the things that gives us a little bit of an advantage right now is we started a renovation project uh, right around, right before COVID uh, hit. We had just approved it and it really got going right about the time COVID hit. And so we're still in the process of that and it's not going to be finished up until uh, I think mid-September now. So we can't do anything till October 1. Hmm. Uh, So that helps us. I mean, we've got a longer ramp before we have to make a decision. But I'll be honest with you, right now we're going back and forth between one of two things. Like, do we just say we cannot do kids ministry at all or student ministry at all on campus? I mean, because we can't, we can't limit the the size or do we, you know, just come back and say, okay, here's what we're going to do. And parents, you just need to decide whether or not you're okay with your kids coming back. Uh, Mm. We're, we're moving forward with a different kind of idea instead of doing um, Sunday morning life groups, Wednesday night, youth and kids, we're trying to move everything to a Sunday evening format, Hmm. uh, which is a little bit different, but there's a lot of reasons why it works for our church, but mainly because we're having to offer so many services on Sunday morning that we don't have the ability to do a life group hour. And uh, by doing it on Sunday night helps us to spread people out on campus. And 
but we're still not even sure if and when we can do that. I mean, October one will be the earliest. And then of course you've got Josh on top of all of that government mandates. I mean, Mm. you've got, um, our schools are going to be taking temperatures for every child that comes on campus. By the way, we anticipate that that's their new reality for at least a while that every child that walks on our campus will have their temperature checked before they get on our, you know, before we allow them into any events. And I would say to most of our people listening that I think that'd be a really wise step, especially if you're a typical size church, if you're 80 to 100 in worship, it's not going to be that difficult for you to mm. scan, you know, get a, get a forehead scanner and scan 15 kids yeah. when they walk in the door. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, there's just a lot of things to have to figure out. Josh, what are you guys looking at? Man, we're looking at some of the same things. Um, school here, the Conway Public Schools has... A, uh, essentially announced that they are going, they're planning on going back five days a week. The option though to the parents is that they're going to have either you can go online or you can go in person, but you have to declare before the semester starts. And so if you choose to be an online family, so to speak, then um, you're going to just kind of be online. You can't go online for a couple months and then decide to go back to the classroom. I think they're about to mow the yard right next to my window. So I hear that's them gonna, mowing the yards yeah. right next to your window. It's going to get pretty it's loud. Like, for, what was it about three weeks ago when they were uh, using um, using jackhammers below my office when we recorded? <laughs> yeah, I got a couple of comments about sawzalls. Yeah. My goodness, how long does it take them to go past the window? So Josh muted his microphone, which means that I will try and fill up a little bit of space while he's looking at me on the video. I I do think there is another factor here, and that is, are the schools requiring the kids to come back wearing masks? Our schools right now are saying the kids are going to have to wear masks while they're on campus. And, uh, And on top of all of that, our city is under a mask mandate, and they exempted churches from the mask mandate, but we chose to require it at our church too. So technically our church does not have to abide by the mask mandate, but we're requiring it just, well, for a number of reasons. But I think you guys are handling that a little bit differently, Josh, right? Yeah, I mean, we're under, and we're just going to talk to the lawnmower, but we're under a mask mandate in our city, and the churches are exempted, but we have from the very beginning highly suggested or you know we've said we would like you to wear a mask coming into the building and then once worship starts you can take that off and so most people are interacting with us by coming into the building with their mask on so then the only exception that we're trying to figure out is would we require that into the school system the school system is saying fifth grade and older are going to have to wear masks while on campus but they can take it off in the classroom so that's I think it's just kind of like what you're talking about, a new normal. When you're publicly interacting out just and about, you probably should wear a mask for a little while. Um, And then when you sit down and drink your coffee or you sit down and have the conversation with your buddy, you can take the mask off. It seems kind of weird, but... The other thing, Josh, for us is masks are feel invasive to us right now because they're new and unusual. And of course, there's a highly political conversation about whether we should be required to wear masks or anything like that. But... Here's the thing. Masks are going to be ubiquitous. Give it another month or two, and they're going to be so incredibly common. I mean, yesterday, when we're recording this, yesterday, Walmart and Sam's announced that they're requiring it. Um, uh, Kohl's department store announced that they're requiring. I mean, retailers across the country, the, the large retailers, Best Buy, Costco, all of these have already announced Starbucks. They've already announced they're requiring it. 
So even if you're not in an area with a government-imposed mask mandate, I think the concept of masks is becoming increasingly ubiquitous, and people are going to become less and less concerned about it, I think. I think it's, it's kind of like a seatbelt. When the seatbelt laws first went into effect, they were very concerning. People thought it was government overreach, that sort of thing. And we can have the conversation about whether it is or not. But the point is, after a short period of time, they became ubiquitous and everybody became accustomed to them. I don't think we're going to be wearing masks for the next 20 years, but I think we should probably be, be ready and prepared for the idea that masks are going to become very normal. Man, so we're just jumping on it. The college is here requiring it when yes, students are on campus at all times. So we're we're ordering masks and we're ordering a lot of them, different designs yeah. that really speak to us. But then we're using it as, I guess, marketing. We're putting our yeah. second branding on it and things like that. Yeah. And so we are leaning into that. Um, I think some of the questions. So here's one of the ways I'm thinking through this, which I find helpful, uh, but maybe you could critique it. Um, and I know our listeners will as well is I'm, I'm meeting with my leadership team and we are going to break things down into two things. There are the two rhythms, weekly rhythm, monthly rhythm, and there are the two purposes, content and connection. Now, I was talking to a mutual friend of ours, Clay, who's over at a church called Johnson Ferry, and he adds another C word to it, care. So I love that too. So content, connection, care. And then we are asking our ministers, our ministry team leaders to think of their programming in such a way that we could fit everything into those categories and into those rhythms. And at the same time, we're trying to come up with a system or a plan that just let's forget for a second what the schools are doing because i get it we've always every church i've ever been at we have a what the schools are doing policy when it comes to weather essentially and we've adopted that because as a church we are so used to that when the schools are meeting we have higher numbers when they're not meeting we go down a little bit our programs alter if there's ice on the road if the school cancels we cancel so we've got that the problem with this situation is it's a lot different uh it's it's so, like you said, different school districts are doing different things. There's different mentalities well, behind it. And when when it snows in Conway, there's no question. It snows in Conway. Right. One of the difficulties here, my doctor called me yesterday. He heard that I had tested positive for COVID, and so he called me. Really good doctor, by the way. And he called me. And one of the, one of the things he told me, he said, Michael, look, he said, so much of this is still a bit uncertain. We don't completely know how it's transmitted from one person to another. So we're trying to be cautious, but there's still a lot of ambiguity about, mm -hmm. uh, you know, about it. And so he said the, the better issue here, or the better plan is to be as cautious as possible just to try and keep it from being transmitted. But that's the thing, right? So your school, school system and your state government is nuanced both by your own experience locally and by the political persuasions of those in authority over you. And mm -hmm. so all of that's going to result in different decision-making. In Tennessee, uh, we have a conservative Republican governor, and he has allowed each local municipality to determine for themselves whether they're going to have a mask mandate, and our county has a mask mandate. Georgia, the governor yesterday, literally just uh, issued an executive order that no city is allowed to offer a mask mandate. Hmm. Literally, he won't allow any state to extend a mask mandate. And so... I mean, that's, and, and we have campuses in both of those two states, which is going to heavily nuance the people who attend those campuses, how they view our decisions about what we do and what we don't do. Hmm. So when we put that grid together, uh, weekly, monthly, content, connection, we decided the cornerstone was the Sunday morning worship gathering. 
So we start there. We are going to do that. Now, period. So it may alter how many services we have, those sort of things, but we've got the Sunday morning gathering. And then we are going to ask for every small group to meet weekly. We were a 100% on-campus small group church. However, now we're saying you don't have to do that, of course. The campus will be open. You can reserve a room. You can reserve a lobby. You can reserve the picnic table area or whatever. So we're just kind of letting them set. But what has been happening all summer was if you want to. What we're doing now is you guys have to tell us the time and every week meet at that time. So if it's Tuesdays at 7, perfect. We don't care. Tuesdays at 7 at the picnic tables, that's fine. We're just trying to build in that normal normalcy to it. The college are going to continue to meet. We're going to move them out. Then the week or the monthly rhythms, that's our weekly rhythm. The monthly rhythms are going to be uh, the connection points. And what I want to do is drill those down to small enough groups. So it'll be men. The men are going to meet once a month to do something, but it's not content driven Bible study. It's connection driven being around other men. And there's going to be nuances to that. Some of the guys will come in. I've had some team meetings since this all started. Some of the folks walk in with mask. Some of the folks don't. But the reality is what we all do, and I've noticed this a bunch of times, we all walk in sort of having a mask or with one on. And then once everybody's kind of near each other enough to talk, we're like, hey, does anybody want us to wear a mask? One person says, I would like for everybody to wear a mask. We all throw them on and then we have our meeting. If nobody says, I've had meetings where nobody wants a mask. We don't wear a mask. One person wants a mask. We all put it on. So there's just sort of a respect level there, but that's what we're allowing them to figure out and making so me, those decisions. Let me ask you this, because this is also part of the, the equation. I think as people are trying to, you know, run the numbers for themselves and, you know, there's both, there's a public health issue, but there's also an ecclesiological right. issue here, mm -hmm. right? The Bible says, Hebrews, don't forsake the regular assembly of yourselves together. And so we want to gather together if and when we can. The way we've said it is, it is important for us to gather together when we are able to. And, but the question of when we're able to is a very sort of subjective um, question and answer. So you guys have been gathering again in corporate worship for what, three weeks now, four weeks? Oh no, we're like close to six, six, six weeks. Yeah. Weeks. We're, we're around six or seven weeks. Mm -hmm. What, what percentage of your pre pandemic worship attendance is attending right now on a weekly basis? Man, we came out the gate right at about 25, 27 mm -hmm. that went down mm -hmm. all the way to 15. But there were two holidays in that last six weeks. Right, and so yeah. July 4th weekend was a very low weekend for us, as it always yeah, is. Sure. But then last week, we bumped right back up to 25%. The so alteration we did was we killed one of the services, too. So, we, yeah. we were having three. We yeah, went down we, to two. We killed a number of I mean, we came out of the gate with 15 or 16 services. And I think mm -hmm. we're down now to like 10 services or something like that. We, we intentionally came out with way more than we needed because we wanted to be able to manage social distancing and that sort of thing. And we figured that we could, you know, trim back. So we came out of the gate with, with almost 35% attendance and it's dropped down now to, I think we've been, we've, we've settled over the last six or seven weeks at around 27 or 28% is where Interesting. we've been. Yeah. Uh, and everybody I've talked to has been settled somewhere between 25 to 35%. That's everyone I've talked to that's in a church of a larger size. Right? Yeah. So smaller churches may be more likely to have a higher attendance, especially if you're doing something that's like an outdoor service, a parking lot service, something along those lines. Mm -hmm. The reason why I say all of that is to say, if the average in larger churches like ours is say 30% or maybe a little more, a little less, 
that means that 70% of our people still don't feel comfortable gathering back together in person with other people. That's a well, pretty substantive number. I'll tell you another factor that's weird for me, and I'm not sure how to articulate what's going on with it, but we have for quite a while made August 16th our relaunch date. We're calling the family reunion. So on August 16th, all of our small groups meet back. Um, we start our midweek, all that sort of stuff. We have talked to a significant amount of people who are already socializing. They're out and about. They're doing what they're doing. They're coming back to church on August 16th. And we're like, well, why aren't you coming now? Well, because we'll come back on August 16th when everything starts back up. And so it's not even, it has really nothing to do. It's just that's the date they put in their brain. And that's when we're going to, we're going to meet back. So I'm very curious about that launch back time frame. Um, and, I, and I'm with you, which brings up another issue, which I think if you are a top level leader in your organization or your church, this is something I think you need to be aware of. Taking just the emotional temperature of your staff and the leaders, I'm finding that they are regularly frustrated. They are regularly discouraged and they know that it's not about numbers. And we get that. But look, when you're used to having an event where 200 people show up to it every week and then you launch it and there were 12, it affects you in ways that aren't necessarily sinful. They're just perception ways. And so what we're trying, not only are, am I trying to say, look, from August 16th to January 1st, let's come up with what we're going to do regardless of what the school district does. This is who we are, period. I'm also trying to speak constantly into the idea of, You've got to stop worrying about how many come. And if you have 12 there, invest in those 12. When we do get back, and you and I could talk a little bit about what we're hearing with other leaders are thinking Easter. Other leaders are thinking, you yeah, know. Let's, let me just say this. So I've told you this privately. Sure. I hope, I'm, I, hope I am wrong. Mm -hmm. But for those who are listening, when I look at the timeline of the vaccine, when it'll arrive, so the Moderna vaccine and there's two or three others that are in third, the third stage of trials, which means the final stage before FDA approval, um, you know, and they can go to market. So it looks like September ish is the time frame for some of these vi vaccines to be ready for market. And Dr. Fauci has said a couple of times, a hundred million doses by December. If that's the case, then I'm thinking somewhere in the ballpark of February, we have enough doses to pretty, pretty well saturate the U S uh, then in that case, my projection is that our, when we're able to kind of really be back, this doesn't mean all of our people will be back, but the church is able to really be back offering typical services with childcare and all of that stuff. I think we need to be anticipating Easter of 2021 mm. and I could be wrong and I hope I'm wrong, but I, um, I really anticipate sort of 2021 Easter timeframe, which is crazy because we were hoping Easter of 2020 would be when a lot of this right. stuff would be back. Right. And we're talking and, about 12 months after that. And you know, that, that what, what that really tells me is it will not be school start this fall. They're not yeah, going to come back. Yeah. Well, they're not. Yeah. And it will not be Thanksgiving. It will not be Christmas. We just go ahead and accept that reality and then start planning with it. Well, and here's a good indication, Josh, like Pete Thamel in his CBS, or no, in his Yahoo Sports article this week said, let's just face it, college football is not happening this fall. And uh, they're close to saying that it's not. The SEC is looking like they're, they're going to say that here in the next three or four weeks, something like that. 
the NFL looks highly unlikely that it may may go. They're trying to make it go, but with escalating numbers right now, if these multi-billion dollar organizations mm. and they're remember, they wouldn't say no. I mean, they're not going to, they're not going to say no just to make people feel better. <laughs> right. They're going to say no if they feel like they cannot physically do it. If multi-billion dollar organizations this fall are going to say, we cannot do this. And remember, if football doesn't happen on college campuses, it could devastate athletic departments. So this mm-hmm. is long-term implications then we need to understand that the likelihood of anything significant happening this fall through the end of the year is very low. Wait, did you say the SEC has football? Are you talking about Alabama or actually? No, I'm talking about my Gators who have won three national championships since I was in high school. How many, have you, how many uh, national championships have your Tennessee Longhorns won during that time period? I mean, your what, Texas Longhorns. Did you just call them the Tennessee? That's the, the Tennessee wrong Longhorns. orange. That's the knockoff Tennessee, orange. The Texas Longhorns. How many have they won in, in that same time frame? Josh? Since you were in high school, They've the 60s? Or the, what was that? They've won yeah. one. You got That's Vince fine. Young to catch lightning in a bottle. Oh, please. <laughs> one of the greatest football <laughs> games ever. Yeah. In fact, uh, Florida beat, let me think, with... One of those national championships, we beat a Big 12 school. We beat Oklahoma for one of them. One of them was Ohio State, and one of them was Florida State. Yeah, okay. So, all right, there it is. Ohio and Florida. Okay. Um, that, that's, that's a different topic. <laughs> Josh is uh, flustered now. So, the SEC does have two football programs. So, the um, I'll give you that. The, well, you know, but, the reigning national champion is also another one of those SEC programs. Yeah, let's see know. them do that again. <laughs> Talk about lightning in a bottle. Um, so, the... But you're right. I mean, with these massive programs coming back, we just have to accept it. And so what I'm really what I'm wanting to do is this clarion call. And I'm not pretending this podcast is this way, but at least in my church, this is what we're going to do. Stop thinking that around the corner, the numbers are going to go down tomorrow and everybody's going to come back on Sunday. That's not happening. So let's just accept it and let's pick a date. That's why I don't think Andy is off his rocker for saying for the rest of the year, this is what we're doing and doing that. So. I think that um, I think that that would be healthy. I think it's also healthy to just say in that time frame, that means size is not a factor. We always talked about how we shouldn't focus on numbers, blah, blah, blah. Um, we also, as larger churches, I'll just say, we're not focused on numbers. Quit, quit throwing stones at us for that way. We're focused on souls and every one of those numbers is a soul. And I know that's a cliche, but get over it. So we shouldn't focus on numbers, but if you only have, let's say your normal student ministry attendance is 30. Great. And then you have six kids showing up every week because their parents are cool with that, man. I would say invest in those six kids. You have like six months to really just genuinely invest in six kids. And then when you do get back to the normal stuff, then we could be, you know, kind of rocking. You've got your core developed there. That's That would be my encouragement. Accept it, deal with it, plan for it. Uh, I think that at this point, that's what we need to do. Yeah, I think a realistic... Here's the thing that I would encourage people. If you are trying to be optimistic, it's going to get better. You know, schools are going to come back in August and we're, you know, we're going to go back. I, I got yesterday um, notification that my son's football practices are starting next week for his middle school football team. I have almost no confidence that they're playing football this fall, but they're going to try. Everybody wants to be optimistic. It's going to happen. Listen, you're not going to be prepared for if it doesn't happen. But if you assume that it's not going to happen and you prepare for that and something glorious happens and you can go back in a month or two, it'll be much, much, much simpler to revert to what we have done in the past then it would be for you to optimistically just believe, hey, it's going to get better, it's going to get better, it's going to get better, and then have to deal with the reality that it's not. 
I would rather prepare for a worst case scenario. I'd rather prepare for us to still be doing this in uh, March of next year and be gloriously surprised that it's better than I would try and be an optimist that it's going to be better next month. It's going to be better next month and be per- perpetually frustrated and, uh, and feel like, um, I'm, I'm being let down and mm-hmm. my people are, you know, my people are being let down and that sort of thing. So yeah. don't be a pessimist. I'm not, I mean, you know me, I'm the world's biggest no. optimist. Mm-hmm. I am literally the biggest optimist in the world and the guy with COVID, right? So <laughs> both <laughs> those things are true at the same time, but I'm just telling you, you'd be better off to be a realist who plans for the possible the possibility that it's going to be a while and hopefully be surprised than otherwise. Mm, I think this is good. This is a cleaning, a pruning. Let's go simple. Let's kill off some things that we don't need right now. So, and you can get away with it with, with your leadership. You can say, hey, look, just for the next six months or COVID. Yeah. Man, we've been blaming all sorts of stuff on COVID. So, <laughs> you can get away with it. I cannot blame, and I do want to apologize that our facility staff decided to turn on every machine beeping and, um, you know, (laughs) motor that we have right in the middle of this recording, but we're going to do it. So you're good. You still feeling all right? Yeah. I mean, I am, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. And I, you know, the doctor, when I met with her, when she diagnosed me on Tuesday, told me that based off my symptoms, it seems like I'm probably most of the way through it already. And so I just have to quarantine for a while. And by the way, I forgot to say this. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't sound great on this podcast. My microphone is at my church office. And so I'm using AirPods to record today. So the sound is not going to be quite as good as it has been in the past. You know, and I want to just end the show in this note. There is um, a huge psychological battle going on. And if you are a leader of a church and you are a single staff church or just a very few staff, and maybe there's not other people that match sort of your demographic, they wouldn't necessarily be friends. And you're out in a rural area, which most of our churches are and most of our listeners are, are a small secluded area. All of a sudden, you've gone through months of not even seeing the people. You are very secluded. You've got to be aware that you are in a situation in which you're in danger. So I would really encourage you to reach out to, man, I'm, I'm on Marco Polo all the time and I made fun of that thing before, but it's a way to see people, to engage in people. And so if you're listening to this and you haven't had meaningful conversations with other peers in months, then man, you got to be intentional about that because you are absolutely in danger. So that's all the, the stuff I have for today. You got anything else, Micah? That's it, man. Go Gators. <laughs> Hook <of> horns. <laughs> Thanks for listening today, and we will catch you next week. Hey, this is Tom Rayner. I want you to know about a ministry I've been hearing great things about for years. It's a lay-led support ministry called Grief Share. Grief Share helps you care for the bereaved, those who are experiencing the loss of a loved one in your congregation. It's a powerful outreach program as well that draws people to your church. It's like a magnet. Grief Share is a ministry of church initiative. It's been around since 1996, so it's a proven ministry and has equipped more than 20,000 churches worldwide. Just ask other pastors about it or visit griefshare.org forward slash EST to learn what other pastors think about Griefshare and how easy it is to get this ministry started in your church. That's griefshare.org forward slash EST are in the show notes. You've been listening to EST, a discussion for the established church. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, as well as subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcatcher. Thanks for listening.